Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello to all of you cannabis aficionados, and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, we all know many cannabis companies and products have been doing really well during the COVID-19 pandemic. And according to The Motley Fool, cannabis business in a number of states are doing quite well. Apparently, says Motley Fool, the likeliest answer is that cannabis consumers stockpiled weed prior to going on lockdown. Plus, being stuck at home may have more consumers turning to cannabis products. So folks, we've got a great show for you today with fascinating guests who will talk about, shall we say, pressing issues facing the cannabis industry. And that's diversity and social equity or lack thereof. Our guests today are women from two different organizations and are partnering in a long overdue effort to demand change in the cannabis industry, which like most everything in our society, unfortunately, is dominated by white males. But before we get into today's interview with these, shall we call trailblazing women, I'd like to briefly mention another pair of women who happen to be featured in my novel. I wrote the novel this last year. It's called Just Try Me. I'm told my novel tends to attract people who appreciate spicy intrigue. And one reviewer said, if the action doesn't grab you, the sex will. He called it a page turner of anticipation as the plot twists and turns. The novel, Just Try Me, is available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon. And I hope you just try it. And now I have the honor to introduce today's guests. We have Kieran Wang. She's owner and CEO of Almost Consulting. Mary Pryor, CEO and founder of Canaclusive and CMO also of Tonic, Tricola Farms, and Bardo Labs. And finally, Cassia Graham, Graham, excuse me. She's director of national projects and social media of Canaclusive. Now, folks, as our country remains gripped in ongoing pro- protests and dialogue and and a long overdue reckoning over the subject of police brutality and social injustice. Unfortunately, the cannabis industry is at front and center. And unfortunately, again, marijuana prohibition stems from profoundly racist roots that continue until today to fuel this this war on drugs. Now, this war on drugs has resulted in mass incarceration and racial disparities in arrests and prosecution, which have ultimately kept people of color almost out of the now legal industry. Please first welcome Mary Pryor of Canaclusive, Kieran Wang of Almost Consulting, and Cassia Graham, Director of National Projects and Social Media of Canaclusive. Mary, the opening words on your website read, cannabis has an inclusivity issue 
and we intend to solve it. Can you tell our listeners how the cannabis industry got so out of whack? Clearly, it goes back to the war on drugs, in which prohibition of cannabis itself was rooted in racism. Please tell us about that. Oh. The, the the answer or just like how we got here comes from just like one the the whole entire start of colonialism and slavery but for cannabis you know prohibition of the plant started in the early 90s really was a targeted racial war to go against black people and um at the time the um immigration of mexicans into what is mostly their native lands in the south um you know you have to kind of like Look at the existence of slavery, the existence of the police state coming from slave patrols that were definitely made to target um, people that were of color and black folks. Um, you know, I, I think that when we talk about how did cannabis get here, the story is how America got here. So, you know, it should be of no surprise. And for people, unfortunately, about four years ago or this year, people are realizing racism is real, but it shouldn't be a surprise that. Racism is part of the fabric of this industry. It's part of everything that is around us as far as like access to food, access to money, access to capital, um, fairness in hiring, you know, practices of that nature. But within cannabis, it's even more personal because the war on drugs in the 70s definitely had a series of laws and rules and regulations that have been made and that are still being perpetuated as truth to target black and brown communities with harsher terms, even though, you know, you think we're in an equal justice system, there's definitely differences upon what terms are received for people that are black and of color against those who are white, right? So the story of cannabis is definitely connected to race because racism was used as a tool to target and to go um, hard on policing and unfortunately destroying communities of color. I think uh, most of our listeners would would agree with what you're saying. Now, you have Canaclusive. Uh, what inspired you to take on what I assume is a daunting task? Can you describe it uh, to us, what Canaclusive is? Yeah, Canaclusive, originally we started just trying to address the stereotypes and stigma in the space. Um, we, are racially, we are racially aware that there's stigma and just really, really horrible imagery about consumption amongst um, Black, Indigenous people of color. So we originally started our stock photo series to show like people that regularly consume like regular adults because every image that we were seeing in 2017 was somebody behind bars or something that was just hyper-stereotyped. So that's where we started. But as this whole entire industry has grown, we saw a lot of opportunities to educate, advocate, and promote people that, you know, are Black, Indigenous, and fellow people of color that are not getting their due place or their due opportunities in the space, whether they have their own business or they're interested in just getting involved. And the access to education and the access to capital is very restrictive. We're talking about less than 4% Black ownership in the space. We're talking about, you know, not a large amount of people that are Asian in the space, not a large amount of people that are um, but Latinx in the space. And when we get to the LGBTQIA community, the compoundness of that when it comes to being Black, Indigenous, and pers a person of color is far greater and still less. So across the board, you know, we're not trying to serve as a catch-all for every person of color, but as a mostly Black and Brown-led 
group and collective of, you know, women that have a series of issues that are greatly solved by the use of cannabis um, and hemp, you know, we decided that we kind of need to expand our whole mission. And that's kind of where we are now. Um, and that's how we've even connected with people such as Karen in the space. You know, we all are sisters and brothers in this space and united because we all see the same inequities happening while we're still asking for equity at the same time. And it's a very, very important item to note that while we're all asking for equality for things that are, you know, affected by cannabis, we still do not have equity being talked about and discussed at the same time. And that's something that needs to be addressed and raised up now. We've been uh, talking to some wonderful women, Cassia Graham, Mary Pryor, and Kieran Wang. And we'll be right back. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Cassia. In early June, you released the accountability list. You call it a living, breathing document. Can you explain what this is, please? So the accountability list was inspired by Cheryl Dorsey of the blog. 
And it's basically a calling in of brands and organizations within the cannabis and hemp spaces. What we were seeing was, you know, just gross injustices against Black, Latina, and Indigenous people and other people of color. And the cannabis industry, which is predominantly white, consistently silent on those um, things that were occurring. So we decided that uh, with the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and several other Black folks that have recently been in the news that we wanted to see what people in the cannabis space were doing and saying about it. And it was actually very little. People thought that putting up a Black box was going to be a solution um, and that that was going to be the end of the conversation about what happens to Black, Latina, Indigenous, and other people of color within the United States and the cannabis industry. So we created this list, which was basically to show who is and who isn't doing the work. Um, we also are giving consumers and other people in the industry a greater amount of transparency because what we were hearing from people was, wow, I didn't even know who owned that company. I didn't know if they were traded or not. Um, I didn't know what they were doing for marginalized communities outside of like their little squares or their rainbow flags. So here you here it is a document that basically says this is this company, this is what they're doing, this is who they are donating to, how much they're donating to because that also matters. If you're a small company, we understand not being able to donate a ton of money or any money, but you can amplify people, you can share your social media spaces. If you are an MSO and you're donating like 1% or 10%, or it's dependent upon actually purchasing something from you, you may not be doing enough of that work. So we're basically saying this is a, you know, the legal cannabis industry is still in its infancy. We don't want to see it um, blossom like some sort of mushroom cloud that is going to infect us the way that other industries have. So we say right now, um, instead of us waiting for the government, for whether it be federal or state, to create the social equity we need to do it from the inside out. Now, Karen, can, can you tell us about some of the, the functions and what you, what you hope to gain from its publication? And also, what is the cannabis industry saying about what you've been doing? Yeah, so I can speak specifically to Inclusive Base um, because that's what I have um, been working on with Canaclusive. Um, the accountability list is a separate endeavor. Um, definitely, you know, related um, and connected, but the team that's working on the accountability list, I personally, as Kieran Wong, cannot take credit for. But um, in terms of Inclusive Base, which is the directory that we have together collaborated on to highlight black owned specifically, as well as, um, you know, POC owned businesses. Um, in that vein, we don't really want to gain anything out of it. I think I speak for everyone in, in that sense, but more so we want it to be a resource for people to shop responsibly, to know um, which black specifically Black-owned and non-Black people of color-owned businesses are out there. We want the representation to happen. We want the dollars going and staying in those communities. Um, and with that, we just really want to continue growing this resource, not only the size of it, but making sure more people know about it and can use it as a way to shop online or shop in their state, wherever they are. 
That's terrific. And I'm, I'm happy to have you all on because I want to help you get that, that, that the message out there. And now, are you specifically also talking to some of the cannabis brands and trying to get them to, to be more outspoken? Are you, are you doing any of that, Kieran? Specifically with the uh, inclusive base, the brands on there or the brands that are looking to work with that resource? Uh, the brands who are, look, are, you know, they want to work with you. Got it. Yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, our thing is make sure to understand the history of, of this industry. Right. Um, and with that context, as Mary was explaining earlier, really taking action upon it um, with the accountability accountability list. Also saying, you know, we're not only are we going to amplify these organiz- organizations and or businesses, we're going to support them. This is how we're going to provide, you know, if it's not money, um, time, expertise, services, right? Whatever it is that we can do to as a community and as a, an industry and as just the cannabis space in general, um, lift these Black-owned businesses, lift these POC-owned businesses and make sure that, you know, we don't stay silent in, in this moment and in future moments and in any other moment. This is not the time to retract. This is not the time to not say anything or not do anything. This is the time, if any, to take action. Good. Now, how are you getting funded for this? Are there are there companies out there, cannabis companies? Uh, is this like a part of an association you, you're trying to develop? How are so, you doing this in terms of, 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 you know, doing this? in terms of getting money from, from the cannabis industry. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, we individually as almost consulting and can inclusive, we are not doing this for profit. Um, everything we've done has been volunteer hours and specifically in terms of getting money to the brands and the businesses that are on inclusive base. Um, we are trying to amplify by highlighting the businesses by talking about them by you know sharing them with other resources um, and partnerships and bigger media partners so that we can continue to spread the word and and get people to understand that we need to be shopping responsibly we can't just be talking the talk we need to walk the walk so with that I'm sure um, Cassia or Mary could speak even further to um, to specifically you know how are we trying to get people to really buy black? and by an IPOC owned. Cassia, can you tell us how you are working with uh, many of the companies? And also, do you want to name names of how some of the companies, uh, you know, want to be known for working with you? So we have had the pleasure of working with a couple of folks in the industry who definitely want to make a change to um several facets of their business. And we did have a letter to the industry that also um, came out around the same time as the accountability list. So folks who want to change the way that they hire people, their what their board looks like, not having a lily white board anymore, having one that's much more diverse. And again, diversity inclusion goes beyond simply race. Because I think a lot of people, they see that and they just think, oh, well, if it's just we get a black person, then it's okay. No, there are queer people. There are people who are disabled. 
there are folks who um, are are trans and such who are in the industry, but who don't necessarily have that kind of space for growth because, um, again, it's a largely cis, white, rich industry. Um, so I don't exactly want to get into names because that's something that Mary would probably be better to speak to, but I can say that they range from MSOs down to even really small companies. Everyone wants to, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but many people want to do their absolute best to make this that fair and equitable industry that we keep on promising folks. That sounds so positive. But folks, we have to take a break. We've been uh, talking to some wonderful women, Cassia Graham, Mary Pryor, and Kieran Wang. And we'll be right back. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Took Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one took over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Vampire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Cassia, uh, I'd like to ask you about allyship. It sounds like a strange word, but I think it must have a, a, a lot of connotation around what it means. Can you describe that to us? So that basically, well, first of all, being an ally, what a lot of people don't get about being an ally is it's not enough to just say I'm an ally. You actually have to do. Ally is the verb. It's an action. You have to take action when you say you are an ally. So that means that you are going to set aside your feelings because it's not about your feelings. 
you're going to actively promote um, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color in the cannabis industry because they don't have those platforms. That means that you can amplify people's voices by sharing their content with credit because oftentimes lots of people of color creators end up having their work completely whitewashed and all credit being ripped apart. Um, It also means that if you own a retail space, you're going to be making space for POC brands. If you have a company and that company has a board, you're going to be thinking about how you can reach out to people who don't just tick a box, but are also qualified for like a board position or a C-suite position and so on. Your employees, you're going to make sure that they're being paid the same wage. White folks are not going to be paid one wage. Black people are not going to be paid another. Indigenous people are not going to be paid another wage. It's all going to be fair across the board. You know, we're in an industry where everyone should be receiving that one dollar, not maybe 88 cents, not maybe 68 cents, not 53 cents, that whole dollar. Um, So again, allyship is something that is ongoing And it involves work, it involves learning, it involves evolution. Now, that's very, very, very interesting. But I'd like to also discuss uh, the fact that there are very few women involved in in the cannabis industry. How are you specifically uh, relating uh, to the issue of of very few women involved uh, versus men? And Kieran, do you want to ask? Uh, answer that question? Yeah, I mean, that's something that has kind of always been prevalent in the cannabis industry and and most industries. Um, You know, despite the news and the media reporting that, you know, cannabis could be the first industry that, you know, is dominant and led by women, um, that is still far from the truth, um, especially since women get less funding um, you know, less opportunities and resources and, and so on and so forth. And then that compounds again um, with being a person of color and being black specifically. And then that continues to compound if you're queer, that continues to compound if you're, you know, a veteran, if you're formerly incarcerated, all of those things. And when we see all those disparities, um, you know, it's important to address those. And with what we're doing through inclusive base, um, and then also I assume um, through Can Inclusive and the collaboration um, on the accountability list, all of those are, are you know active efforts um, to really offset that imbalance, right? Um, not just of women not being represented in the space, but particularly women of color, right? Um, Trans women of color, all of the, you know, intersectionalities that we need to be aware of and continuing to not only educate ourselves on, but, um, you know, again, continuing to evolve, take action, learn, adjust, fix, and move forward and grow that way. Now, this is a kind of a personal question that I'd like to ask. Uh, Is this your day job or do you have a so-called day job? What do you do in, 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 in other hours of the day? Are you totally in, you know, involved in these projects or uh, do you also have to, you know, do you have kids? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you work somewhere? Please, please tell us. Kieran, why don't you begin? Yeah, so I um, 
have a cannabis marketing consultancy and I work with cannabis brands, dispensaries, farms, you know, any sort of under the, under the sun, um, that needs social media, email marketing, event marketing, any, uh, any of that support. That's where I come in, in my, you know, full-time job. Um, and this project that I've been doing with inclusive base and with can inclusive specifically, um, we have been, again, volunteer hours. So that is really, you know, us being passionate about making sure that this happens. And are you getting um, a lot of good PR, not not in the cannabis uh, market, but in other, uh, let's say, other publications or websites? Are they are they picking up what you're putting out there in terms of, of, of trying to publicize other other uh, cannabis businesses and or organizations? Yeah, I think we're getting there, um, but definitely we need more, you know, mainstream attention. We need more beyond just cannabis publications and and focuses. Um, Cassie, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, definitely. On Can Inclusive's end, we um, have gotten a decent amount of mainstream love, but it's also because of the backgrounds that we come from. And some of the folks that we have aligned ourselves with in the wellness and beauty space, and then also in the tech space, um, which are all actually still pathways for cannabis because there's CBD beauty, um, there's Canatech, et cetera. So um, kind of because we have been in Essence, Mary Claire, a couple of other women's interest magazines, New York Times and such. So we're really trying to um, break while we obviously appreciate our cannabis publications. We're trying to break out of that simply because cannabis is something that is pretty much mainstream now. If a soccer mom or or yoga mom is um, dropping her wine and picking up cannabis instead, like that's a big deal. So we're reaching a wider audience. Um, And while we definitely still support our folks who have been um, a part of the cannabis sphere, whether they are consumers or companies from day one, we are also trying to bridge that gap between people who are new to cannabis, whether it's CBD, THC, and so on. Oh, that's excellent. We unfortunately are running out of time, but I'd like you to give all the information that you can in terms of website or anything else in terms of social media so that people can know more about what you uh, you are doing because it's absolutely marvelous, and I know it's taking a lot of a lot of time. So please, uh, Kieran, can you give out the information, please? Yeah. So the collaboration that we're working on, directory specifically, is called Inclusive Base. You can go to inclusivebase.com, um, and you can also find it on Can Inclusive's website, which um, I'm sure Cassia will get into in just a moment. Um, you can also find my website, almostconsulting.com, um, or at almost consulting on any of those social media platforms. Um, but the real focus is inclusive base. Good. Cause Cassia, would you like to say anything more? Sure. Yeah. You can find us at caninclusive.com, C-A-N-N-A-C-L-U-S-I-V-E.com. And then as far as social goes, on Instagram and Facebook, we're Cataclusive. And on Twitter, we are Be Cataclusive. 
Terrific. Well, I'd love to have you on again in a couple of months to hear how things are going and that you can give even more and better reports on the work that you're doing. And I want to thank you. And I'm sorry that we couldn't have Mary as part of the conversation. But again, thank you very much for being on the show. And thank you for being on High Society with Paxton Quigley. Thank you. Certainly. Thank In the you, meantime, thank you. certainly. Um, and we'd like very much to also tell people that uh, we have websites too, and people can reach us not only on, uh, on cannabisradio.com, but we also are on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, please check out those sites. And folks, just a reminder, if you can get a copy of my book, Just Try Me, it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. And always, we'd like to thank all of our listeners and invite you to stay in touch with us in one way or the other. And in the meantime, I want you to please stay healthy, stay home if you have to, and stay in touch. I am Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.